Welcome to part one of Health System CIO's interview with Tom Andriola, Vice Chancellor for IT at UC Irvine. In this segment, Andriola talks about what UC Irvine is doing to provide a source of truth for the community during the COVID pandemic, why he believes that even though some technology resistance is waning, there are still challenges, and the significant impact HHS's decision will have on virtual care, both now and in the future. As much as 80% of patient information is unstructured and stored outside of an EMR, Highland Healthcare helps complete the patient record by consolidating and connecting this unstructured content to core clinical systems. With a full suite of content services and enterprise imaging solutions, Highland gives clinicians a single view of all documents and medical images associated with the patient via the EMR, enabling more informed health decisions and improving patient outcomes. Highland Healthcare. See your whole patient. Visit highlandhealthcare.com to learn more. What I wanted to talk about was your role as of October, which is pretty unique, and then also what your key priorities are right now, which obviously is going to include um, everything being done surrounding a coronavirus outbreak. So um, I wanted to talk first a bit about your role as Vice Chancellor of Information Technology and Data. You're not new to the organization, but you went from having a CIO role to this role. So can you talk about what your new position entails? Sure. The context here is we talk about UC Irvine, right? So it is a, a public research university, which includes an academic medical center with it. And, you know, when we look across not just the healthcare part of the university, but even over into the way that we're educating students, the way that we're doing research, the growing strategic role of technology and data is transforming the way that we think about delivering on the mission of the university. And the leadership at Irvine decided that they needed a cabinet level role to really be in the conversation for how do we think about what it means to be a 21st century research university? What does it mean to be a 21st century academic medical center that's driven through the innovations coming through technology and through the strategic use of data. Right. So obviously there's a lot that needs to be uh, figured out when there's a move like this, you know, really trying to align better, I guess, to be able to meet those needs. So uh, I'm sure that it is really interesting to be part of the organization as it is kind of figuring all this out. It is. In some ways, the way I played my CIO roles over the course of my career have been very much trying to add more strategic input into the conversation. So this is just a recognition that they needed this role to be involved in every conversation. And I rolled that conversation from the beginning. And in the way that my role is structured, you know, the CIO of the medical center and the CIO of the campus are direct reports to me. From the standpoint of, you know, there still is quite a bit of technology operation that needs to go on. And we have technology leaders in place to run those organizations. But the more strategic long-term view is something that I represent. The engines of innovation that we develop. So in addition to the operational pillars, the engines of innovation, the strategic positioning, uh, are things that all fall under my umbrella, including things like in community engagement. So how do we think about engaging uh, the public, our government officials within the region in terms of the way that we might create collaborations and data, data sharing arrangements? As a matter of mm-hmm. fact, uh, right before you called, that was something we were talking about just in terms of some of our community engagement strategy around UC Irvine being a source of truth around the the COVID-19 virus 
the public health emergency situation. We, we want to be seen as a source of truth for the community. How do we do that and how are we going to engage the community and how are we going to use data and how are we going to use technology to engage with them? I was actually just having that exchange before we got on the call. Yeah, it's been a really interesting thing to, to watch unfold. And one of the biggest concerns from so many is to make sure that the right information is getting out there. So I'm glad to hear that that is a big priority, but not an easy thing to tackle for sure. Yeah, well, I think the combination of there's, there is a lot of information out there, but is it credible information? Is it, is it mm-hmm. information that they help them pragmatically make decisions that are going to keep them safe versus create more panic? And again, this is where we look at our role within the community, in this case, Irvine and Orange County. It's like, you know, we need to be that trusted source of truth where people can come, not just if they want to get tested, but also if they want to know more about this pandemic beyond that I need to be washing my hands. But maybe it might be, why is social distancing important? Why is flattening the curve, right, which is the, the sound bite? What does that really mean and why is it important from the standpoint of ensuring that we reduce the number of deaths that we have? You know, again, flattening the curve is not just about trying to stop people from dying from the virus. It also is about trying to not overwhelm the health system such that if I were to have a heart attack and I were to come to the emergency room, that I couldn't get care because everybody in the emergency room is trying to get tested for the virus and I die from my heart attack. That's what flattening the curve is as much about as it is trying to slow the spread of the disease. Right, and and you bring that up, and we're seeing so much in terms of telehealth the last couple of days, and it's different forms. And I I had noticed, um, I saw on Twitter that USDHH was was talking about video visit training and virtual care. So this is something that seems like is really ramping up in the last week or so. Correct, and I think Um, we have to, we are doing the same thing really pulling some of the plans that we had, pulling them forward. I think we were moving at a natural pace in terms of expanding our virtual visits capability. We're now accelerating mm-hmm. a lot of those plans and thinking on terms of capacity far greater, you know, orders of magnitude greater mm-hmm. of, of what we were originally planning. Right. And I'm sure that there are concerns with trying to, to ramp up something that has been in the works for so long, but is it realistic to be able to really just expand something like virtual visits in a seemingly short amount of time? Again, I think we have to do it in a way, so it is still going to be hard. I think some of the internal resistance that you usually get when you're trying to bring the next generation of technology enablement in, you always have those kind of internal resistance for why are we doing this? Why do I need to change? Some of those barriers are melting away. But it doesn't necessarily stop the barriers of trying to really understand how do we integrate this into the workflow of the clinician? Who are the real Mm -hmm. users that we're trying to create these interactions with? The announcement yesterday by HHS was really important just in terms of they're not going to penalize people who move to virtual visits and uh, maybe have a HIPAA violation, right? Because they want these visits to happen now in a virtual way rather than people having to come into a clinic. So what they're saying is, look, if you can do it, start doing it. Don't worry so much about it there being a HIP issue. We're going to look past that in the short term because we've got to get more people to interact with the healthcare system and not require them to come to a face-to-face interaction. So all those things will help us, you know, move these things forward. But ramping up is still going to be something that is going to, it's going to become incrementally. I'm also focused on is not just incrementally ramping these up so we can deal with the pandemic, 
but also really trying to think about how do we treat those new models in place so they become the new norm after this, right? Because they are essentially opportunities to reduce the cost of care and maybe even improve the effectiveness and access of care if this is now the norm rather than, let me call, make an appointment, come into the clinic, right? So, so I'm also yeah. trying to look past this in terms of we want to freeze this as the new norm, not a one-time event. Yeah. Yeah, really glad that you brought that up because I think that in some ways this can kind of bring to light where the challenges still do exist, but then also show that this can work and, and maybe help to build some momentum for this becoming the new norm, as you said. Correct. Okay. So what are some of the, the other ways in which uh, what's going on now with COVID is impacting your priorities and your strategy? Well, I mean, do you want me to stay in the healthcare side of the world or... Our campus world is probably has a more dramatic impact than the health system. I mean, the health system is really focusing on, you know, really preparing for the patients who are going to need to be come in who are going to have complications related to this, worrying about the yeah. isolation and quarantine, worrying about extending the services, worrying about setting up the tents for drive-by testing and those types of things and how to manage that, right? So there's kind of a capacity challenge. The campus site actually has, I would say, today is, is garnering a larger percentage of my time to yeah, deal with sure. the impacts of the residential population that we're trying to get to and move off, you know, and move back to their home residence, the move to um, every class being taught with remote instruction starting week after next. So I would say, you know, I know that's not as, in, as interesting to your audience, but right now I would say that my time is probably two-thirds towards the campus implications and one-third towards healthcare implications. Yeah, well, there, there really is um, a bit more, more blending, especially with so many people either having kids in college or, like you said, having also to deal with, with the issues of residence. And I can imagine that it's hard to maybe tackle one thing at a time, or I'm sure that there's prioritization challenges right now on that front. Absolutely. I mean, one of the, a large campus with a large residential community is a public health risk. You know, mm -hmm. that's not yeah. just me saying that you can go to the research and look at that. And a residential community at a university is a lot more like a cruise ship than we'd like mm -hmm. to admit, right? I right. mean, people living in close quarters, people sharing living spaces, you know, sharing bathrooms. I mean, there is just a lot of inability to create social distancing, inability to really maintain kind of individualistic practices. And so mm -hmm. a major public health concern we've had is trying to reduce, significantly reduce the residential uh, population at our, you know, at our university. Uh, now we have some students, especially international students who may not be able to go home or if they go home, right. they may not be able to come back. So there are cases where we maybe cannot move them out of residential housing. We have graduate students who are doing research and who basically need to go into a lab. But again, these are all public health concerns that we are working our way through and trying to figure out, do they need to stop? Can they be done in a different way with the same level of effectiveness, utilizing technology mm -hmm. and remote activity? Or do we need to move it to a reduced level of effectiveness to, uh, to balance the public health concerns. Right. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, 
visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.